Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this, guys? Me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday, Water Cooler Wednesday edition of the show somewhat of a structured edition of water cooler wednesday kyle welcome from the great state of tennessee yeah i don't think it qualifies as water cooler because we have a topic yeah we we, define topic it's it's like it's almost like yesterday we said we're going to talk about this at the water cooler and now we're at the water cooler okay I'm picking up what you're putting down, but I think it's a little bit of a stretch. Bro. Slight stretch. I got. It. I've seen. I've seen worse. <laughs> I've seen. Yeah, we we have done much worse as far as <laughs> mental gymnastics. Let's be honest with each other. Yeah. So, do you want to outline this for the people? This was your idea. Why would I outline it? Uh, I like when you outline things. All right. So we are going to discuss here on this podcast the the differences between NBA free agency. And the draft and, you know, how they have the draft before free agency, how the NFL has free agency before the draft and see what side of the fence Kyle and I are on when this all ties back to football and what's best for the NFL. A lot of people have been saying, well, the NBA just has it figured out. It's fun. Everything they do is so fun. And then, oh, the NFL's free agency is so boring because all the good players are under the tag. Kyle, let's talk about this. Sure. Let's talk about this. Where do you want to start? I have hot takes, man. I got them left and right. Well, I guess I would just say from an overall perspective, if you think about the timeline of an NBA season, it starts when? October? They're playing summer league games in August. Yeah, now. And then uh, the actual season starts in like October. And the actual season runs from October until April. Regular season ends early April. So right there, you have six months out of your calendar that you are playing games. The NFL starts in September. And the Super Bowl is the only game played in February. So the NFL is already at a natural disadvantage of having a shorter season. And when you think about the looking to keep your league relevant year round, 12 months out of the year. NFL has preseason, which is in August. There's no summer league games two months out. There's, and and that's the thought process. I think from the NFL's perspective is how can we take this violent contact sport that has for many fans, a three or four month strike zone. And that's it. And make it relevant 12 months out of the year. And because of that, you see the timeline for the NFL's offseason look the way that it does. Because at the end of the day, it will be king. Well, I I mean, they have the same stuff at their disposal, right? They have free agency, they have the draft, they have the season, and the season just happens to be longer in the NBA. Um, Kyle, when I think about this conversation, I, 
I kind of side with what's best for the players, but at the same time, wanting to uh, preserve balance. And I think in order to preserve balance, you have to give the owner some control. And and so I think you got to walk that fine line. And so for me, when I just kind of think of this from a high level, well, I'm not really worried about players like Khalil Mack and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Those aren't the players that I'm concerned with. I'm concerned with, honestly, replacement level players, replacement level veterans that, you know, they, they got drafted in the fourth or fifth round. They, they served their four years on their team, not super desirable to be back, but want to keep making a living playing football. What's best for them? Is the best thing for them to latch on with a team before the draft? Is it best for that team to draft and then uh, have to go to players like that to fill holes that they weren't able to fill in the draft? I don't know what it is about me, but I feel like my allegiance in, in terms of figuring this out is for, I guess, the, the the middle class of the NFL, those middling players that, look, they're, they're not Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, and they're not draft picks. They're not rookies. Well, I think you answered your question, though, because you said what's best for those, quote unquote, middle class players, right? The fringe starters, maybe career backups. When is there the most holes in NFL rosters? Before the draft. And that's why you have free agency there, because you have the most opportunity. Shit, dude. Matt Flynn would have never got a contract ever from the Seattle Seahawks if they were to pin down Russell Wilson. They had rookie mini camps, and then they're going to go give Matt Flynn the big contract that they gave him back in the day. And Matt Flynn was exactly what you were talking about until Seattle signed him with the intent of being their starting quarterback. All right, so what do you, here's an example that happened this offseason. Jesse James signed that a pretty decent deal with the Detroit Lions. Does he sign that deal with the Detroit Lions if the draft is first and TJ Hawkinson's their pick? Well, I guess because they drafted TJ Hawkinson with Jesse James on that deal. I guess it would come down to what do you, what are you defining as best for those players? Is getting paid best for those players or is playing time best for those players? Because if it's playing time, no, Jesse James probably doesn't go to Detroit. But Jesse James ain't getting that contract from Detroit if Hawkinson's drafted first and Detroit still wants to sign Jesse James. Well, I guess I guess what I think is probably the money piece of it, right? Because, I mean, sure, one thing leads to another, but burden hands better than the two in the bush, right? Like, get that guaranteed money. Exactly. And I agree with you in that perspective. If, it, if we're looking for the timeline that's favorable for those players, their financial gain is optimal before the draft when teams don't know how the draft board's going to shake out. They don't know, even though they know at that point in the game, like free agency opens in March. A lot of these teams have done the, the majority of the legwork on their NFL draft prospects. So they have a rough idea of what their board's like. They have a rough idea of players that they like. They might have guys that they want to make priority targets, but you don't know you're going to get them. So Detroit knew right. they like TJ Hawkinson when they signed Jesse James. Here's uh, an article that Kevin Clark from the ringer put out yesterday was uh, it was a really good read. I encourage everyone to read it, but he basically talked about how, uh, the headline of the article is eliminate the franchise tag to make NFL free agency more fun. And I responded, I quote tweeted this and I said, Hey, look, unpopular take here. Player movement does not always mean fun to mean. I like 
intelligent roster construction and appropriately rewarding players. What I do like about the idea of eliminating the franchise tag is it encourages long-term extensions to happen quicker. I do think we need to find some balance with the franchise tag. I'm not sure that eliminating it's the answer because I do want the owners to have some control over star players that are worthy of that type of praise. But when you think about the franchise tag, do you say wipe it off the face of the earth or do you have some some amendments that would make it work? Are you happy with the way it is? Yeah, uh, the franchise tag the way it is now is dumb. The fact that there's this non-negotiable, I, I think of transition tags, right? And tenders. Do you remember the, the restricted free agent tenders? Mm-hmm. Where you, you give them a first round tender or a second round tender. I think a, a, a transition tag is a much more sensible, like highest rung on the ladder because it gives you as a team the opportunity to set a price point for a player. It gives other teams the opportunity to look to negotiate with that player, and then it goes back to the original team to say, hey, do you want to pay this? And if you do, great, sign him, he's yours. But I think the finality of the the franchise tag just say, boop, nope, you're done. You're another two years here. And uh, that's not good for the players because they want the long-term contracts. It's not good for the other 31 teams. And it is kind of anticlimactic. Now, that's the least important thing about the franchise tag. I think about what's fair to the players who have served out their contracts and they want to get a long-term deal and they, they want to go somewhere that they want to be. I think that the negotiation power should be there in the highest rung of the ladder. So uh, if you could just clarify for me on those tags, do you also have to give up draft picks if you sign them? All right. So there's, or is it just the right to match? There's tenders and there's um, trans. I think the transition tag is the one that gives you the right to match. Which is like the Bills and Charles Clay did that with the Dolphins. They said, Hey, we don't want to match. They they put the poison pill in there where like the second year of the contract had like, Mm -hmm. I've seen them out of guaranteed money and the Dolphins cap situation wasn't going to allow it. So they didn't sign him. It's the same way the Patriots signed Wes Welker away from the Dolphins. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that as a uh, right to match opportunity, but I also like with restricted free agents, if they can channel those uh, RFA tenders and bring those into play and those can kind of serve as your quote unquote franchise tag replacements for more experienced players to have an opportunity to say almost effectively facilitate a trade where you, you have to give up draft capital in order to sign a player. If the team's going to turn down the opportunity to match your deal. So here's the deal. And maybe people will hate me for saying this, but I have a problem that Kevin Durant's played for three different teams now since 2015. Kawhi Leonard's going to be on his third team in three seasons. Like, I hate that much player movement. To me, I love the idea of Kevin Durant plays for whatever team he plays for, and he has a long history with that team, and the team continues to build around him. Now, I get that he has the option to choose and pick where he signs, but, I mean, is it – 
am I the only person that doesn't think it's fun? Like that Aaron Donald would just be continuously changing teams because that's what we get in the NBA. And I don't think that's great. Well, you do get some quote unquote mercenaries, right? Daryl Rivas turned into a mercenary at the end of his career, bouncing around from right. Tampa Bay to New England to the Jets again. And like, it, it's not unheard of with star players, but the frequency in which you see it in the NBA is what's so exhausting about it because you have LeBron, Cleveland, Miami, back to Cleveland, now in LA. I mean, that's that's a lot of turnover for and, and I'm trying to think of what the NFL equivalent would be of a player of that stature that that bounced around that much. I can't think of it. Can you? Not in their prime. No, at the end of their their careers, they do stupid sure. stuff, yeah. you know, like Jerry Rice and yeah. stuff. Yeah, but <laughs> maybe Randy Moss would be the the best equivalent. And there's a caveat with him, right? Because they, for whatever reason, his his antics didn't transcend what he was able to do on the right. field, right? Like, shut it down. there's always that caveat. Cut their losses with him, right? Yeah, I, I don't think I disagree with you. Especially when you consider from the NBA's perspective, like the players themselves have so much more leverage. So it's a very different beast than what you get in the NFL. It's almost like looking in, uh, it's like two different, each of your shoes. Well, and then you have like the max contracts and the super max, like look at the Kemba Walker situation. Charlotte could have paid Kemba Walker's uh, $211 million over five years and the most the Celtics or any team could offer him was $140 million over four years. Right. And, and so, like, it's not always the money and the, the ability to pay the player more that keeps them on a, on a specific team. And I understand that we're talking about ridiculous amounts of money. I get that, right? But this is these are people with rare skill sets that, if hey, if you want to make that type of money, go play professional basketball. Well, you're not good enough, so you don't get to make that much money. They have unique skill sets that are highly valuable and they get paid a ton of money. And for them, I understand you're like, oh, well, what are you going to do with $220 million that you can't do with $140 million? Figure it out. Well, the reality is these people are trying to maximize their legacy, set up, you know, ideally, uh, you know, generations of their last name to be set up for life. And I respect that they want to maximize every penny that they can get, even if we're talking about obscene amounts of money. Right, because at the end of the day, how many athletes have we seen throughout the course of time? We've seen it in football, we've seen it in baseball, and we've seen it in basketball where guys make tons of money and are at the forefront, and whether it's poor financial planning or bad investments, guys go broke. You know, so like mm-hmm. you and, and you with your skill set, it's the maximum earning potential for any job in America. You'd be dumb not to try and make the most of your opportunity and earning potential right now, no matter what the difference is. So here's where I kind of bring this all back to Kyle. When I think about the structure of the NBA and I think about the structure of the NFL, I think what the NBA does is best for the NBA. And what I think the NFL does is best for the NFL. Now I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that there aren't tweaks that can't be done to improve things on both leagues, but in terms of, putting the draft before free agency just because of the size of rosters, right? I mean, like one player in the NBA is what a 12 man roster compared to a 52 man roster or 53 man roster. I think NBA has 15. Uh, is it 15? 15, really? but I don't think they all dress for games. 
really, I did not realize they kept 15. Even still, that's a huge discrepancy from 53. Yeah. Um, You're right, 15. 13 can be active okay. for a game. I mean, I'm sitting here and I'm still I'm still stewing on the franchise tag, Joe. And um, I'm trying to think, like, what's the upside from a player's perspective to the franchise tag? The upside is not really much at all because while you're going to make a lot of money for one season, your ability to sign a long-term extension is what really becomes in jeopardy. And as we know, I mean, one injury can really change your value. And so while, hey, look, you're going to go make – 25 or 30 million dollars for one season wouldn't you rather just have 90 million guaranteed over the next six and i guess if you if you remove the franchise tag and its finality from the equation uh, i really do like the idea that that's going to facilitate player extensions sooner like for example what the dolphins did this offseason with zavian howard right they gave zavian howard a monster contract He's had 11 interceptions and 27 passes defensed over the last two years or something like that. And uh, he's played phenomenal football. Well, he's entering the last year of his contract as a second-round pick from 2016. The Dolphins didn't screw around, and they gave him a, a contract extension this offseason, despite having a year left to play. And they did so rewarding him for his performance on the field. They play, paid him a premium rate. But if he would have hit free agency, I guarantee you he would have got an extra 10, 15%. So that it's actually beneficial to the teams too. Like set yeah, the market. Don't don't yeah. let the guys that you want to keep on your team long term walk. Don't let them let go out the door without a contract. Period. Because you're asking for trouble and you're just gonna end up paying more anyway. Yeah, it's, it's a great point that you made there, Kyle. Extending guys at the earliest opportunity that makes sense is smart because every year the market gets reset. Don't push that off. Get it done now. That's when your most value is going to exist. I'm trying to think. Um, have we left any stones unturned on this conversation, Joe? Well, I mean, could you think of a compelling reason to put the NFL draft before free agency? I think – I don't I don't have one. I don't have a compelling reason to think that's the best thing to do. And I think that the NFL has done a very good job uh, kind of go, going back to what you talked about at the opening. They've done a really good job of making a a regular season that's really what four months long. I mean, you have the playoffs in January, you have the Super Bowl in February, you have, and at the end of February you have the combine. March is free agency, April is a draft. You know, June you get May June you get OTAs and uh, mandatory camp you got a little bit of a roll in july and then camp starts at the end right. of july and august i i don't know like it's football's relevant all year <laughs> yeah i think the the layout being the way that it is isn't something that i can find a sound argument to change other than television ratings which they're not, you're not going to do that sorry the nfl does not need any extra help with the television ratings the NFL draft <laughs> had more viewers than the NBA playoffs. They, they, they don't need to make a move just for the sake of making a move. It's like the argument about uh, having a lottery with the NFL draft. Well, I'll think of the viewership. Fam, did you see the viewership this past year? Did you see the <laughs> attendance in Nashville? Did you see the revenue that you created for that city? 
they don't need anything to, to give this a swift kick in the ass. And that's what you see leagues do. That's why you saw NASCAR change their point system for races six times in 10 years because they weren't having anybody watch their stuff. NFL doesn't have that problem. So don't make the change just for the sake of making a change. If it's not broke, don't fix it. And it's not broke for the NFL. No, I mean, I don't want to get into the whole thing with the lottery, but um, as a fan of a team that has twice, you know, between the Sabres and the Hornets, the Sabres had the worst record in hockey. They got the number two pick and got Jack Eichel instead of Connor McDavid. The Hornets had the worst record in uh, NBA history, and they got the number two pick, which meant MKG, Michael K. Gilchrist, and not Anthony Davis. You ain't gonna convince me that I that I about lotteries. It, it's I. It, it's great when you're a team that gets bumped up into right. the lottery, but when you're the you're the ultimate sucky team and you don't get that top pick and you get screwed, it's not fun. And I don't think NFL teams tank, so I don't think there's any reason for a lottery. And I think that's. Uh, that's the overarching point that I would make when it comes to the NFL and a lottery. The urgency and the shelf life of NFL players is too short to be a coach and walk into a locker room and tell them to tank and purposely lose. Can't happen. Joe, if it makes you feel any better, I hit the lottery when I got you as my podcast host. Wow. Wow. That's so sweet. The the South, Kyle, it's the South that brings out the best in you. I'm all warm and fuzzy just thinking about it. Uh, We hope you guys enjoyed today's uh, discussion about the NFL, NBA, free agency, NFL draft, what those timelines look like, what the dynamics are of uh, those those player agreements. Uh, I know I did. I'm going to spend the rest of my day thinking about it, Joe. I'll probably spend some time tomorrow on the 4th of July thinking about it. Speaking of, because it is the 4th of July, you will not be getting a podcast from us tomorrow, but do not fret if you hit subscribe on the Draft Dudes podcast, you will not miss the next podcast that we do drop. So keep an eye out for it. Thanks, as always, for listening. And we'll talk with you guys again very soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.